Welcome to Momentum Church. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, if you would. We're going to get into our next week, our third week of this series. And, um, and I, I want to first just also speak to Easter again, just to remind you, if you would, if you have children, why don't you go pre-register those children? If you're part of the, the church, that way we know which service they're coming to. It just will help us to prepare our kids' ministries to even be better able to serve all those that will be here on Easter Sunday. And again, to get here early for those services. Those services, there will be overflow in multiple areas of the, of the building. We've done a great job of being able to facilitate that. But if you want a seat on Easter, you want to get here early in those services. I guarantee if you'll come to first or third, you probably will get a seat. Amen? And as we have said, that first service, we'll encourage you to come. And we're even going to give you a breakfast if you want to come to that service. If you're bringing a guest with you and they want to come to the second, that's kind of that normal service time, please come with your guest. They're the first priority. So be with them on that day. All right? Let's get started with this third week in our Space Invaders series. And we've been looking at the fact that in life, if we want to experience more out of life, you're going to experience the more in the margin. In the space. And so much stuff in our life tries to busy us, tries to get into the margin. Even Jesus kind of modeled to us that miracles happen in the margin. Come on, somebody. Amen. And think about how many times you see in Scripture Jesus, he's on his way. Then he's led to go by another city or by another person. Or he stops what he's doing and he deals with the woman who's touched him. Or he stops what he's doing and he deals with a funeral procession. When Jesus shows up in the margin, especially at funeral processions, people don't stay dead. Come on. Man, I want to live my life like that where I'm, I'm anticipating what's happening in the margin. And if you've missed the last couple of Sundays, we've shown you how important it is to create space. Say space. space. And so last week I gave you all an assignment and I said to create some margin by saying no to one thing. And I want to see who, who took the teacher's assignment seriously. So how many here today, you said no to something last week? All right, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Good job. Yeah. I was talking to one of the ladies here at the church, and she said her daughter, when she began to tell her to clean her room, she said, no. Pastor said, I can say no, and that's my one thing. The little girl was listening. Problem was, later in the week, she told her to do the dishes, and she said, Pastor said, I can say no. And so she was just using that over and over and over. I'll tell you, somebody that used it quickly, I did not expect, my wife, Amy. Soon as service was over, we get back home, and man, she learned and embraced that teaching so quickly. We get back home Sunday afternoon, and I went in for a good snuggle with Amy, and she looked right at me in all seriousness. seriousness she looked right at me, and she said, my pastor said no. <laughs> I was like, man, I'm going to have words with that preacher of yours, <laughs> you know? It was just cute. And so all I'm saying is it's important for us to create space, and every one of us in this room, none of us are exempt to busyness. Never, none of us are exempt to the stress that life can bring to you. How many, just be honest, you have more on your plate than you have plate. Raise your hand. Yeah, many of us, all right? And we can see one of my heroes in scripture even face this kind of stuff. His name's Paul. I like Paul so much, he's on my arm. If you ever wonder what my tattoo is, it's actually Paul getting knocked off his horse 
on the road to Damascus, and his life is being changed. It's symbolic of my dad's life being changed, bringing us into the faith of Christ. And at the top, it says, old things pass away. And on the forearm, it says, all things become new. It's a testimony of what Jesus has done in our family's life, changing us. Isn't that cool? So most of you are like, I wonder what that is all these years, you know, but that's what it is. And so I like Paul. I want us to stand to our feet. I want to read a scripture together. We're going to honor his word by standing. And I want to read a scripture together that speaks kind of to Paul's busy life, the things that he had experienced. And so in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23 through 28, he says, I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That helps all you 60s people in here. Amen? No, 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 no. Different kind, different kind. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger, danger, Will Will Robinson. Danger from false brothers. And this guy sounds like he's experienced a lot of life, doesn't it? And he's serving the Lord and he's facing all this stuff in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. Now, that's a list and a half, isn't it? That's a huge list. But watch what he says in verse 28. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me. Why would he even add that? Like, Like this guy has faced so much stress in his life, pain, frustration, so many to-dos. He has all these journeys that he's going on for the cause of Christ, and he still feels like he has to add one more little thing. And apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. What was Paul's job, in a sense? Obviously, he was a tanner. He made tent-making things to fund his ministry, but his real call was ministry. He was a church planter, a missionary church planter. He would start a church, raise it up, and then he would raise up a leader, and then he would leave and start another. That's what he's doing. So in other words, he says, yeah, apart from all this crazy stuff, my job stresses me out. Apart from all this crazy stuff, the daily pressures of my life stress me out. So I say to you, mama, I get it. Apart from all the other things you're facing, you got to feed that kid, diaper that kid. You got to, I was going to say, walk that kid. Some of your babies are fur. I get it. But you're a busy mama. As a father working and then trying to take care of the needs of your family and be a good husband and date your wife, you know, and take your kids out and speak into their life. The daily pressure. Say daily pressures. And so I want you to see something that happened in Paul's life. Do you realize, Paul, I know you're still standing. I, I stand for two services. Paul wrote one-third of the whole Bible, two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul's a heavy hitter, okay? But guess where he did that in, where he wrote those things? In prison. Could it be that he was going so much? Could it just be that God's like, I love his heart, but he's never going to leave a testament that is needed for the body of Christ if I don't slow him down? 
Could it be that he'll face so much and so much for my name and so much for my glory? Sitting churches all over. But the greater part of what he's going to do is help to create a treatise that people for generations will be able to look back at the doctrinal statements that we have in the Pauline epistles, second to none. Powerful, beautiful. But I don't think they would have happened on a ship. And I don't think they would have happened on an island. And I don't think they would have happened wherever he was ministering in the communities. They happened in a place of space between four walls there in a jail cell. Is that something? So thank God for space. Everybody say, thank God for space. Go ahead and have your seat. And so, yeah, so I, he's a hero of mine, but I can just see like every other preacher, this guy wants to go, 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 go. And then finally, God's like, you know what? I need a greater testament out of your life. I need something that will be read of men for years and years out of your life. And he slows them down to write the amazing epistles that he wrote. I think that's pretty awesome. And you know what? I'm not going to compare myself to Paul by no means, okay? But a little over two years ago, I'd hit a wall in my health. Most of you guys have been journeying with us a long time around here. You know that. Years of not taking a true day off had affected me more than I realized. Pastor Brantley came to me and he said, hey, pastor, you don't take a day off. You're not modeling what you teach. You teach Sabbath, but you're not taking a day off. And so I punched him in the throat. I was not happy because I was like, no, I'm taking a day off. I take, I take Thursday at about 1230 in the afternoon because I have my first thing on Thursday at 630 in the morning. So about 1230 in the afternoon, sometimes 1, 130, I take off and I don't come back to the office until about 1231, 130 on Friday. Well, yeah, but when do you leave on Friday? About 730, 8 o'clock and then I go home. Basically allowed me to work seven days a week and feign like I had a, a Sabbath. Do You see what I'm saying? And man, he got on me about it, and, and he was right, and I love that we can have staff that challenges each other. Sometimes you have friends in your life that challenge you, and you bull up. Don't. It's important to listen when they care. And so as a person that year, I really started as a person that was very unhealthy. I started to get healthier. Years of cramming every minute of every day, full, feeling as though I was honoring God and working hard for my family. Years of doing that had left me finding my refuge in food, had left me unhealthy. Many of you know, 300 pounds, all that kind of stuff, you know? Why? Because of stress. Didn't have space. I didn't have margin for God to do things. I don't even know why I was so driven. I'll explain a little bit maybe later in the sermon, just a little bit of, of what was kind of going on in my mind as far as expectations go. But man, what happened the first half of 2019, I started to get my physical health back. And as I started getting physically healthier, that state of physical health, I started to pursue health in all areas of my, line, my mind. I started realizing I was tore up from the, from the floor up. I was messed up from the chest up. You know what I mean? I was. And I was a wreck from the neck up, right? And I just knew I had to start getting changed. And so 2019 was just a year of really changing. And I thank again the board of this church for seeing that and caring enough for me that they let me do a sabbatical. I think after almost, well, at that time it was 27 years of ministry, 27 and a half years of ministry. Man, I appreciate you, board. You guys are here. You know who you are. You ladies are here. You know who you are. And so it was one of those things where it started to change my life forever. I began to find that when I let life run my day, I would begin to move away from my deeper purpose, calling, and effectiveness. And I was letting life run every single day. And so 2019, I began to learn just two years ago how to make those changes in my life. 
the truth of the matter is I couldn't let life run my day or that's exactly how I would feel. How many, if life is running your day, how do you feel? You feel like you're what? Running, right? Just on, just on the go, running all the time. And, and the problem with that is when you let life run your day, you live on accident. What do you mean by that, Pastor Ross? How many has been in an accident before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know what happens when you're in an accident? People get hurt in accidents. When you run your life like that, and that's how you run your day, just running, 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 people get hurt. Yeah, think about that. An accident, stuff gets damaged. Stuff that you didn't expect, but property and things get damaged in accidents. And so if we live our life on a daily basis just running, and we let life just run our day, you will live on accident. When you plan your day, you begin to live on, everybody say purpose. Yeah, that's what God wants. He wants us to be able to live on purpose. And I realized a couple years ago, I need to live a, needed a plan. I need a plan to live on purpose. And so last week, what we saw in the teaching, if you missed last week, please go back and check it out. What we saw last week was that the root of busyness we saw was pride. And so we saw that pride is at the root of busyness. So we need to plan out of a heart of purpose, not out of a heart of pride. And I'll touch on that here in a little bit more today, that idea of pride. But if you missed last Sunday, please go back and check out the, the, the service. And you'll learn the six things we looked at that drive us in the area of pride that causes us to become busy. Here's another neat thing that you may not realize. If you look up mymomentumchurch.tv right now even. MyMomentumChurch.tv. There's an app that'll come up and, or a web page that'll come up. And on it, it'll say today's notes. And you can click on the notes and today's notes are in there. So anytime you want to know these points, these thoughts, these ideas, these verses, you can do that. You can go back and look at it. And I would, would encourage you to do that through the week just to, to drive home these thoughts. And so last week we dealt with the idea of pride. And God doesn't want you being ruled by pride. He wants you to be ruled by purpose. God has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for work. He has a purpose for your family. He has a purpose for ministry that comes out of you. You know, Ian works a job, and, but man, this young man, he's quick to say, I'm going to come and be a part of the worship team. There's purpose there that he embraces. How many thankful for Ian embracing the purpose of, yeah, yeah, amen. And so, you know, just that idea of moving the purpose. So I'm not encouraging us to become monks. I say no to everything. No, 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 no. I live this aesthetic life separated from everything. No, I, sometimes walking in your purpose is busy. All right? Sometimes it, it, it can be a little stressing. But how do you make those decisions so it's God-honored? How do you make those decisions so that you'll have health for years to come? And if you don't plan, here's what happens. Unseized time. That's the time that you don't plan. Unseized time tends to flow towards our weaknesses. It gets used up by dominant people in our lives. You know that's true. And unseized time is surrendered to the demands of life's emergencies. The urgency of emergency. And everything seems like an emergency when you're not living a life that is planned. And so I just want to challenge you guys. If you're going to live on purpose, you have to live out of decision, not default. 
When, when you're not making plans in life and you're just running, 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 you're living by default. And so you've got to live a life by decision. And, and if you're going to do that, I love this, all right? I want you to catch this. The English word homicide, listen for the similarities, genocide, suicide. Does that sound a lot like decide? It does. You know why? Because that word C-I-D-E in the Latin root means to kill off. So to decide means you're killing off something. You're cutting it away. You're cutting it off or you're killing it, it off. Decide means to kill off. One reason why we can never handle the busyness beast in our life is because we're unwilling to kill anything. Well, pastor, what will people think? That's pride. But, but pastor, someone will feel this. I, I know, I know. And since that's pride, we've got to be careful making those decisions. And here in a little bit, I'm going to give you a matrix of two questions to channel thoughts through, your busyness through, your decisions to make actions in your life through, okay, your, your agenda through, that I believe is going to help you to live out the purpose God has for you. If you're going to live on purpose, you have to live out, live out of a decision, not default, I can say it this way. You don't find time in life. You make time in life. Think, think about the old West. I love the old West. Remember the peacemaker, that weapon of choice by the gunslinger, by the sheriff of the town? It was called a peacemaker because if you weren't bringing peace, he was going to make peace. It's the same way. You have to have just as much fierceness in your life to decide to live on purpose, not to live on purpose accident. You have to have that same amount of fear, fierceness to kill off those things in your life that get in the way. And I'll just give you an example. I have some people that have issue with me, and I'll just throw this out, with the side business that I have, all right? I have a small side business. I say small. It's, it's actually really prosperous, but it's small in that it doesn't take a lot of my time, you know? But here's the thing. I'll have people upset with me about that. Can I be really open with you? Number one, I don't care. Number two... Do you know why I can do that? Because I don't watch Netflix. Can I tell you something right now? Hulu will never do one thing to put money back into this church. But I put money back in my church. Come on, somebody. Amen. Hulu doesn't care about my kids. But I can take my kids to the Grand Canyon. Not because you gave me the money. I made the money myself. And that might sound arrogant. I'm just trying to tell you, you're right. I do a little thing on the side, seven to 10 hours a week. But you know what won't get me there in my goals, for my finances, for my, the level of generosity I want to live in? And my wife told me, she said, Ross, don't you say the percentage that we give. I won't. Okay? But you know what won't, what won't get me to those goals? A low handicap at golf will not get me to those goals. Now, you can chase your handicap, and I'm happy for you. Okay? I think that's beautiful. It's just not how I'm wired. Does that make sense? All right? Everybody's really quiet and really nervous. <laughs> what I've realized through life is you have to plan things. And so I decided a long time ago that I can enjoy these things over here that really affect my heritage and my family and my legacy and my church financially. Amen? Or I can spend eight hours a week watching TV. Guess what your pastor does on the side instead of eight, 10 hours a week watching TV? I make money. I know it's making you really nervous. 
I'm just being honest with you. And, I'm, and you know what's so beautiful? I can share this right now because I don't have a single person busting my chops about this right now. Two years ago, I had people busting my chops. You know why they were busting my chops? Because I was unhealthy. I was sick. I wasn't physically well. I wasn't taking care of the house well because I wasn't taking care of this house well. Amen? And truthfully, I probably needed my chops busted a little bit. But in time, I began to learn how to manage those things in life and how to plan and how to decide what is important. And guess what? Preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ is my number one important thing in my life besides my family. Amen? And that takes the priority. This church takes the priority besides my family. And then other things take the next priorities. But I'll just be honest. I enjoy hiking. I enjoy the outdoors. I enjoy that stuff with my kids and my wife. That's what I enjoy. I enjoy that time with my family and everything else I kill off. Does that make sense? Amen. How many know I love motorcycles? I ride almost every day of the year. But guess what I don't do? I don't go on six-hour rides on Saturdays. Do you know why? Because I can't take my family on a six-hour ride with me on Saturday. Does that make sense? It's hard for me to coach people to life change while on the motorcycle on a Saturday. Just being honest. That's not where my passions lie. So I decide to kill off the things in my life that isn't about the purpose that God has me moving in. Amen? And the big purpose of me is Momentum Church and my family. That's the big purpose. So I do what I have to do for us. Amen? All right. Some people, um, I can just tell there's tension in the room. I didn't expect that. So, but I'll just say that it comes from a place of decision. You don't find time, you make time. And I just want to challenge you. There's nothing wrong with recreation. Please recreate. Do what you enjoy. Amen? I'm just saying that's how I manage. If people have ever wondered, how does he do so much? That's how. Amen? Cool. All right. So two powerful questions to help you plan to live on purpose when trying to figure out if you're walking out of purpose or just being busy. The first question deals with the source of our motives. It deals with the source of our motives. So for who and why are you making this decision to do this action, whatever it is? For who and why are you doing this? The passage of scripture I want you to channel this through, this matrix, is Galatians 1 verse 10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And so when it comes to this idea of approval, please, again, go back to last week's teaching on pride, but I'll bump into it a little bit. When it comes to this idea of seeking man's approval, no, no, do not do what pride demands. Like, like, pride would demand you to be a people pleaser. No, don't do that. Pride would demand you to get pats on the back for your glory. No, that's, you don't make decisions based on that. Pride would demand you to, per, to have the pursuit of possessions. I'm not saying it's wrong to receive things, but if materialism is driving you, and that's all you can think about is the next purchase, man, that's, that's scary to make those decisions. It'll cause you to be more busy than God ever intended. Unhealthy level of performance-driven. When it comes to that, we've got to be careful. Pride would have us go after performance, 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 performance to the chagrin of our family, to the chagrin of our own health. And so I would challenge us. That first question deals with our motives. Who and why am I doing this? Do not do what pride demands. Number two, do not do what God does not expect of you. I, I'll just be honest. I lived my life with that for a long time. Somehow thinking that God was this overlord that was so demanding and 
I had to be so careful of, I didn't want to rob from you guys as a church. So what I would do, I just, can I be really clear and open, open, up, up, up front with you guys? I had this weird thought that if I wasn't counseling, doing a hospital or rest home visitation, preparing a sermon or being with my staff, if I wasn't doing those four things, I was stealing from you people. Okay? And so what that meant was I would never, ever do my time of devotions here at the church. I would never read a book, even a church-type book, on church hours. So that meant I would get up really early in the morning, get into the Word, which I still do, but I do it with Amy now because I'm not running out the house. I felt like I had to be at church at 8 o'clock in the morning, beat everybody here because I just I want to prove myself. I've come out nearly 30 years of ministry. And so, so, so I've got to get up early. I've got to get my devotions. I need to read anything I need to read. I need to read before I get to the church. And then I get here and I'll go crazy working. And then at 5.30, I'm not going to leave because I want to stay after everybody's gone. Right? I'm not sure where I picked that up, but that's just the mindset I had. I don't want to steal from people. So I'm going to work, 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 work. And then I get home worn out and get home and not have that time and get home. And man, I'm telling you, two years ago, all that started shifting. To where I started realizing, you know what? It's all right for me to read a leadership principle book at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday. I'm not reading Isaac Asimov. Nothing wrong with Isaac. I'm just saying, I'm not reading a novel at 2 o'clock on a Tuesday. But something that's helping me to be a better leader for you all. Or or something I'm reading, doing research on that will end up being in a teaching of some sort. God didn't expect that of me. I don't know where I picked that up in my head, but for 27 years of ministry, it's kind of how my mind was. Isn't that crazy? And so I don't know. I'm, I'm being transparent with you. I don't know what it is for you, but I'll just say it that way. Do not do what God does not expect of you. And a lot of us, when it comes to our motives, who and why we're doing this, we demand more of us than God's even asking. The third thing here is do not do what others won't do for themselves. How many get busy doing things for others because they won't do it for themselves? If you're a mama here and you've got children from the age of four up, you should not be doing all the chores. And if you've got a husband, mama, you should not be doing all the chores. Wives elbow your husbands, right? Man, somebody just got saved in the back row. But no, you you shouldn't have to busy yourself doing for others for things that they won't do for themselves. Now, there are times that God gives us opportunity to serve others. That's different. This week, one of my close friends, Sam Croker, has went on to be with Jesus after a four-year battle with, with cancer. And often through the last four years, hey, can you get somebody to come over and do this? And most of the time when he asked that, one of us would go do it, my staff or myself or uh, one of our men in the church. You know, we rarely would say, hey, here's somebody to hire. We just, we wanted to serve Sam. And I had the joy of doing multiple projects with him. And it was so much fun because I'd be there putting a water heater in for him. I'm not putting a water heater in for you. But I'm there putting a water heater in for Sam, right? And and we're dreaming about what this pipes can look like because he didn't like the gate valves. He wanted nice, nice um, shutoff valves so his wife could do them easily if he passed away. And so he's always been preparing the last few years. And so I told him, that'll be the next project we do when you fill up to it. I'll come over. And and, well, I ended up over for a different project and he hadn't called me. But when I showed up, he was so proud. He had done it all himself with shark bites. Well, shark bites are these little fittings that you can do yourself if you're a layman. You don't know how to sweat pipe, right? And it was a beautiful job, and he was so proud. And that's the kind of, like, I just love serving Sam. 
Because Sam, he was going to do it for himself if he could. You know what I mean? That, that mindset. But there's so many people that they won't even try to do it for themselves. And they just want somebody else to busy themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah. So do not do what others won't do for themselves. And I would say practice that in your home. You know, every single person in the house should be doing something. There's no free ride in your home. Amen. But I will, this is a sidebar, please pray for the croakers, for joy and for the kids, Amelia and Patrick and Sophie, entirely way too young to be losing their pop. And so just be praying for them this week. Amen. So that's the first question is on motives. Who and why am I doing this? The second question deals with the source of our power. So the first is dealing with motives in who and why you're doing it. The second, the source of our power, how am I accomplishing this? How am I accomplishing this? In Galatians 3.3, it says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? In other words, you started something spiritual, but now you're trying to finish it with your own strength. And we do that all the time, don't we? And so my question to you would be the source of your power. When you're going through life and you're making a decision, what's it going to take to get this accomplished? Is it going to just be because I pushed through it? Or is this going to be because I can lean into God's ability, into God's power? Are you leaning into God or your own ability in the things that you're trying to do? Where the first thing was, I said, do not try to do what God does not expect of you, dealing with the source of motive. This, dealing with the source of power, I would say this, do not do what God does not empower you to do. And here's the reason why. Because if you're just leaning into your own abilities, it'll leave you coming up short. Remember last week's teaching? It'll leave you coming up short. Short on resources, short on wisdom, short in your relationships. You know how that feels to have that, that small fuse, that, that little short fuse with a, a relational thing because busyness? Short on time? We've got to be careful when we're trying to do it in our own abilities. I, I, there's somebody I'm really proud of, and I'm just going to brag on him. Brandon Leonard over here. Brandon, yep. He was the one that led worship today. I love Brandon in the fact that a few years ago, he began to play in real estate, learned how to be a, a real estate agent, has excelled well in that, and he could lean into his own power, his debonair good looks, you know? <laughs> his own wisdom, and so on. But listen, I've been watching him. We've had coffee. I, I, I know, I've seen his prayer life. I've seen his devotional life. He's a man that leans first into God and then responds out of his power, out of God's power. Yeah, he has ability, but he's not leaning on his ability. And that's, I believe, the reason why in just a few short years has went from an agent to owning a brokerage. Amen? And here's what's crazy about that. Because he's leaning in on God's ability, he still has time for his wife, Chris. He still has time to lead worship. He still has time to do a Bible study. He leads a Bible study of guys, some believers, some not, every week. You know, I, I'm just always impressed by you, but I know you're not a person who lives life on accident. You're a person who lives life on purpose. He has a plan. And in doing so, he's not leaning into his own strength. He's leaning into the power of the Lord. Amen? I'm trying to learn that for myself. I've been seeking God for an answer for some things for about six weeks. And in my own ability, I was trying to find that answer. And I am reading everything I can read. I am watching every YouTube 
preacher and pundit that discusses the subject. I am listening to podcasts. It's like, like literally running myself ragged trying to understand some things that are causing a lot of stress right now in my life, okay? And <laughs> last Wednesday night, we come here for a prayer meeting, all right? We pull up on the property, and on Wednesdays, I work from home, and I have the two kids, so Amy can come here and work a full day at the church. And so Amy stayed through, and I bring the kids to the prayer meeting. And some of you guys, you might be like, I didn't even know we had a prayer meeting. So whatever this Wednesday night was, I think, is that the second Wednesday or is that the third Whatever it is, starting in January, we had a night of prayer, and then February, night of worship, and then this month, night of prayer, next month, night of worship, and it'll go on through the rest of the year. And basically, I had said at the beginning of the year that we want to live our lives expecting to be touched by God and changed by God. And if that's the case, we need to create some environments for it. Amen? And so this experience is what we've done this one Wednesday night a month. And I apologize if we haven't got that word out enough to y'all. But I say this to say, I've been wrestling with this decision, this thought, all the things I'm going through. And I come up on the property and I have Maverick. Maverick is nine years old. And we come up on the property and he goes, hey, dad, what are we doing at church tonight? And I said, oh, we have a prayer meeting. And here's what he says. He goes, ah, dad, nobody wants to go to a prayer meeting. Is that good? And, and the reason why he said that is because he's nine years old. And I get it. Nobody wants to go to a prayer meeting. That's right. To a kid's life, it's all run and no sit. You see what I'm saying? It's all go, go, go. It's not sit down and think. And so to this little guy, he's like, hey, nobody would want to go to a prayer meeting. And, and you know what? He's right. As a nine-year-old, that makes sense. But you know what? As a nine-year-old in the spiritual things, there's a lot of childish people in our world. Amen? And from a childish spiritual standpoint, we can think the same. No, God wants me to go, go, go. God doesn't want me to sit. God doesn't want me to slow down. God wants me to just continue to push, push, push. Well, here's what happened. In that place that night, one of the most amazing teachings that I've ever heard took place. Eddie Meyer, one of our older elderly people here in the church, one of our elder, I say elder like I should say elderly, not elder, elder, like a spiritual leader, right? He shared on prayer. 12 minutes is what he shared. He began off by saying how in Philippians it says that we're supposed to make our requests made known to God. And that's a list, our supplications, as we give that list to the Lord. He said, but God has an intention for our lives to move beyond lists. He said, people pray the list because the list is safe. And you pray, God, I want this, I need this, help this, do this, da-da-da-da, amen, prayer meeting's over. But he, through the course of our evening, 12 minutes, he taught into a subject called Lectio Divina, which is divine reading. And the idea is you take a scripture, and you begin to read it, and you quiet your heart. And as you quiet your heart, God, show me something from that scripture. And God, you just listen. And as he starts to show you something, you write it down. Go figure, it works. Literally, he said, find your scripture. We found a scripture. Then he said, okay, everybody, we're going to take 10 minutes to practice this. We took the next 10 minutes before the Lord. And by the end of that time, you could hear people tearing up. By the time, when it was all said and done, 10 minutes, guys, 10 minutes. Can I tell you right now, everything I was looking for for six weeks, God told me in 10 minutes. 
But like a child, I was running, running, running in my own power. I've got to understand this. I've got to figure this out. I've got to know why. Why? Why? What's going on, God? And in a 10-minute window in his presence, not running but sitting, God spoke clarity through his power to my heart. Isn't that cool? Just showed me that, that, that God wants his power to be evident in me, not just me running, running, running. Even when it comes to me trying to find answers to things. And so we begin to go around the room. And, and people begin to share what God was showing them. Dude, it was powerful. Blew my mind. I have never been in a Pentecostal prayer meeting that lasted 57 minutes in my life. That's all the longer it was. But you know why? That's all the longer we needed. I'm serious. That power, that efficiency. God showed up in that moment and spoke beautifully. Isn't that good? So, <laughs> that source of our power. How am I accomplishing this? We need to lean into the abilities and power of the Lord. Because here's another thing that can happen. I'm going to close here. Another thing that can happen when we're living self-empowered lives is this. We will run over people in the process of getting our day accomplished. That's what it looks like when you run in your own power. You just run right over your spouse, run right over your administrator. Run. I don't because my administrator will flat out punch me. <laughs> Christy, I always tee up to call her sweet and mean. And um, Christy, I tell her with people, hey, you need to call this person? I need you to be sweet. Hey, you need to call this person? I need you to be mean. So we joke, we call her sweet and mean. And then I love it because her husband owns a barbecue business, Choke Barbecue, shameless plug, best barbecue ever. My son works for him. (laughs) They've actually started a barbecue sauce called the sweet and mean. Oh, there they are. There's Christy. The sweet and mean. And in parentheses, it says the wife. (laughs) It cracks me up. Oh, man. No. How do I get on that? Sweet me. Oh, but you can run over your administrator. You can run over your kids. You can just that idea. When you're going in your own ability, you will push over people. You've got to be careful of that, right? And maybe it doesn't feel like you're running over people, but here's something else you can do. If you're not careful moving in your own ability, sometimes leaning into our ability and manipulation is a fine line. Let that sit on you a little bit. I'm just trying to get this done. No, no, you're manipulating people around you. You're not leading people. You're manipulating people. Does that make sense? All right, so we got to be careful. So if you want to create some space, ask those two questions. The source of our motives, who and why am I doing this? And the source of our power, how am I accomplishing this? And I want to leave you with this. Jesus, and we're finished. Jesus, he's walking. He sees a fig tree that is not bearing any fruit. This fig tree is not bearing any fruit. This is my assignment for you today, okay? And so as he sees the fig tree that's barren, he curses it and he throws it into the fire. All right? He curses it. It dies. And I just want to tell you, there are things in our life that we need to curse in our lives. Things that need to die. I'm not saying just a a quick say no to it this week, but I want you this week to pray, God, what is it that I need to decide that doesn't need to be a part of my life? What is it so that I can move in what you desire for me? In Mark Batterson's book called Winning the Day, he says you have to curse the barren fig trees in your life. In other words, curse those bad habits, the wasted time, the wasted talent, the wasted treasure, so that God can have his fruitfulness in our life. I've been saying for 25 years probably that I'm going to write something. I want to write a book. 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 That was a purpose I felt from God, but I never would line up the plan to do it. And then COVID happens. And I get quarantined. And the Lord shows me in that time, this is a perfect time for you to write that book. 
And it's just a little guide for new believers. We're going to start using it on Easter Sunday. It'll be here for Easter Sunday. But man, I can tell you right now, there were so many things in my life I would not decide to put aside so that I could take time to write that book. And then God came in. And if I wasn't going to curse the fig tree, thank God he cursed the fig tree for me. And created a window of time that in that season, it was in the wintertime, you know, I got to stay in my hammock for two weeks out behind my house, build me a lean-to, made fire every day, you know, so I'd have heat. I know you're all like, oh, no, I know you guys know I loved every minute of it. But in that little outdoor office, I wrote this little guide for new believers that I can't wait to start using. And I really felt in my heart a long time ago, God wanted us to, me to write a bunch of stuff, and I just haven't. Why? Because I let busyness get in. There was too many things I didn't curse. And now I'm starting to curse those things in my life. This is not, and I just, like I used the word net, like Netflix and Hulu. This is not going to take my time. I'm not wasting my time. Helping people that won't help themselves. I'm not saying I won't serve people. Serve people all the time. But if you have no desire to serve yourself and help yourself, you know what? You're not getting that time. There's too many other people that want that time so they can be changed, that so that young ministers can be mentored, so that, and so on. Amen? And so it's always going every day. God, what do you want me to curse in a sense? What needs to die, decide to kill off so that I can focus? And those two questions, I believe, will help you tremendously in making those decisions. All right? So this week, think right now in your head. What might be something God's telling you it's time for it to die in your life? To make space for more. Amen? And let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, whatever that might be that you're speaking to us, give us the courage. Give us the, 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 the passion for you and for your purpose in our life, and your purpose for our families, to make those decisions. And Lord God, just to submit ourselves to your leadership and live out of your motives in Jesus' name. Amen. Give God some praise. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.